0: Hello, everybody, and we're back for part two of the college fo- uh, Lean Toss Up College Football Week 7 Podcast Part 2. And this part, we're going to talk about our picks uh, for upcoming for this week. Uh, but first, a segment that uh, is nearer and dear to our heart than our Doozy Awards for the week. So this is obviously the segment where we highlight coaching that is at best questionable. <laughs> <laughs> and generally at worst, fireable, so all right what have you what have you got for for this week's Narduzis?
1: okay, well, like I've kind of pointed out recently, I try to pose these as a question and make this kind of a back and forth here, so is it too soon to give up on Brenthead Venables as a head coach
0: <sighs> i I don't know the thing of it is i I do have some th- sympathy for this Oklahoma program probably shouldn't but i do i think it's really hard to come like when you're when you lose lincoln riley who had basically ran that program for years and you lose caleb williams you lose a bunch of other talent that went to usc and then you bring a new guy in it's really hard to it's really hard to try to get all that back in a year. Now, Dylan Gabriel obviously was a big piece to that and got it back. And we'll have to see how that how that translates down the road. But I'm having a real hard time with, okay, he sucks as a head coach. It's done. Now, I think we can get there. We definitely can get there. <laughs> like, I, like here's the thing. Talk to me this time next year, if Oklahoma is like two and four, then 100%, yeah, I'm on the, the Brett Venables is done. This is over but like I think for we need at least another season. Like I, I haven't seen anything that like egregiously bad from Brent Venables yet, if I if I had a hazard to hazard a guess. Also, before before we move on to their quick updates. We talked about this on part one. We had said that the teams that had beaten Notre Dame, Texas, A and M and Miami were I think a combined one and five and Sunbelt play Well, a Marshall, the team that beat Notre Dame, is losing to uh <laughs> Louisiana as we talk right now. They just uh they de- They just definitely did targeting against the the Louisiana quarterback, so that was it was a really weird play where they like they stopped them on fourth down, but then somehow Marshall advanced the ball on a fumble but then louisiana i don 't know it's a really complicated i don 't understand this at all, but yeah marshall uh that look at that record go to one to six we for for continuity, we have to make sure uh, we 're updating this We're recording this on Wednesday night live while this game is happening so
1: i I appreciate that um i'm going to give you um a reasonable path for Venables as of today based on the data that we have now. To your point, yeah, we can't completely write them off, but I'm going to give you some, paint a little picture here. So the last three games, I think it's the only three power five, or no, excluding Nebraska. We might not count them as a power five team. So the last three games, they're giving up 48 points and over 600 yards a game, almost eight per play. And that's against three very different offenses and quarterbacks in Martinez and um, um, with uh, Duggan and then uh, Quinn Ewers of Texas, three very different offenses, three different quarterbacks, and they couldn't stop any of them. And the reason I, I bring this up is, you know, when I got all excited about South Alabama, for example, in the preseason pod, I. What I really liked about them was right away, their coach had a defensive background and he completely fixed their defense. And did they lose a lot on defense? Yeah. But you look at the defense of Oklahoma, they're not well coached. They're not doing anything right. It's just, it's, it's just bad all around. And I could see if that was on the offensive side of the ball, but when your head coach is making these kind of, these kind of issues or mistakes, that's a problem. And I've seen a lot of people saying it's a rebuild. Well, I want to know, Okay, even if there are some steps that they're going to take back, why is Duke's defense so much better? I'm not going to I'm not going to buy that Mike Elko walked into a more talented defense than what Brent Brent Venables has in Oklahoma. So what do I see? What kind of path do I see? I see this kind of following the Mel Tucker template because we've we've talked about this a few times just saying, hmm, defensive guy and it's only the offensive side of the ball that's kind of keeping his one loss afloat here. And that's gone away and there's nothing there. And I think that that's the path I see. I think Venables might be a better recruiter than, than Tucker. So maybe he winds up being one of these guys who recruits well and is no better than his talent and just is going to always get out coached. Kind of like that guy that they hate who coaches in Austin. Um, I think that might be the best case scenario for Oklahoma is, like, this guy is a defensive Sark, if that makes sense.
0: That that actually kind of does make sense. Um, I mean, again, we we haven't talked about Texas very much today at all, mostly because we just don't need to talk about Texas right now. But, like, <laughs> one of the reasons is that, like, we, we're still, like, I, I'm slowly maybe, like, I'm willing to give Texas a look to be like, hey, maybe they could be a good team maybe they could compete for the big 12 this year that being said i am not betting against them this week because the, if there is anything i've learned about texas it's you do not bet them when they have like massive they don't come like don't bet them with a massive negative spread like they're like 14 and a half against iowa state so if they can if they can cover that spread i'll we'll talk about them next week but like again it's that it's that same like we don't trust sir right we like quinn ewers great kid good job yep like Xavier Worthy, Bijan Robinson, love those guys. But we're like, okay, but Sark. <laughs> and we're like, bad things happen with Sark. Now, again, bad, less bad things have happened this year. That doesn't mean anything. Right? Just because less bad things have happened so far doesn't mean that they will less bad things will continue to happen. So, but again, this is the thing, right? Like, Sark was outmatched last year a lot and it seems like Brett Venables is being outmatched a lot here in Oklahoma and, uh, we're going to, I, I want to see more data sets, but like we're, I'm willing to say, okay, yeah, you're, you're kind of like uh, my expectations were low and now we're starting to see Oklahoma meeting those lower expectations, but I'd need to see another year into the rebuild where maybe he gets another quarterback from the, the transfer portal. Maybe he actually gets a defense from the transfer portal. <laughs> Let's see what he can do.
1: Can you just get a defense from the transfer portal?
0: And you that, just get all of Iowa. This,
1: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's not a bad idea. Just
0: go to Iowa. Go to the locker room. Start handing out pamphlets. Hey, you, have you considered Oklahoma? Hmm.
1: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, number two. Oh man, I'm. I've tried to make this kind of a, a statistical, not statistical. I I don't know how I'd characterize it. Just just grouping um, the offensive performance of Miami. And given it context. So what I've done here is Miami, I think, has played five B- FBS teams so far. So for each opponent, I say, OK, like one of their opponents was North Carolina. So I basically look of every game that North Carolina played and I put all of those teams into one of two categories. Teams that scored more against North Carolina than Miami did. And teams that scored less against North Carolina than Miami did. And I do that for every FBS opponent that Miami played. Just to give us almost kind of like a median, if you will, if you you know, where they stand in the population of, of common opponents. So we do that for all of Miami's opponents in FBS only games. Here's the group of of, of teams that are that Miami is worse than in terms of their offensive performance. Arkansas, Mississippi state, Alabama. Okay. Notre Dame. Uh, Oh, uh, app state twice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's, that's, that's impressive. JMU. Okay. Georgia state, UTSA, UAB, a lot of sunbelt in there. Um, to be behind if you're a power five program, here's who they're better than this is some list. If you're only, if this is who you're better than my gosh, Virginia tech, Tulane, Tulane, great offense or great defense offense. Mm. Troy, another Sun Belt. Uh, Liberty and Colorado State. Who yeah. If you saw that that Friday night game with Colorado State, okay.
0: That was Colorado State did not deserve to win that game, but also Nevada also did not deserve to win that game either. So someone had to win.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So if basically you've got the reigning uh, Broyles Award. Um, winner as your offensive coordinator, and that group—Virginia Tech, Tulane, Troy, Liberty, and Colorado State—is the only offenses that you're better than in your common opponents. Your offense is broken. It's not just like something at the at the edges. Just the, it's not working.
0: And, and this is the thing, right? It's so weird because we were told that Manny Diaz was the problem. That you you bring in Mario Cristobal and this offense is just going to be amazing and I, they got some tra- I think they got some help for the transfer portal too if I'm not mistaken, um, but like this is the thing right like pff, it, it, this is not good like very clear every week it looks like Oregon has won this trade even more, um, <laughs> and Miami is now saddled with this coach they're paying a massive amount of money for. And again, we we were talking about Tyler Van Dyke. He was considered like a first-round quarterback prospect. Yeah. Like, definitely. Outside chance of Heisman. Like, definitely a, a first-rounder. Um, Pete Carroll had actually... Like, basically, some people thought that when, when Pete Carroll described... Because at one point, he described his ideal quarterback. Some people thought he was describing Tyler Van Dyke. So, like... This this is not like this team was like this is not like some random team that no one was talking about and th- this is the stat line for this is a team that was relatively hyped this was generally thought to be one of the better teams in the ACC and and you're telling me that their their offense is better than Colorado State but worse than App State twice <laughs> like this is like this is not supposed to be happening. Now, again, a lot of people are going to say, oh, no, this is Manny Diaz. He needs to recruit. And sure, OK. But honestly, like Ball was never able to recruit to the same level that he was when he when he had Herbert, right? That yeah. was the peak that you had Herbert. And I think you had a decent running back who I can't remember the name of the running back. I think he got to the NFL. Verdell. Yeah. Oh, he didn't really get to the NFL. But like you had some pieces in that offense but they've never been like ever since he got him like their quarterbacks since then sucked. Like they have not been good quarterbacks there at, at Oregon. And, and this is the thing, right? Like actually the one, um, their quarterback from last year is now a Baltimore Raven. And he's actually, he was actually pretty good during the preseason for Baltimore. Right. So it's crazy that like people apparently can utilize people like people can, they can utilize their quarterbacks better than, than Cristobal can. Right. So, yeah like we' he's not he's not on the hot seat he's immune from the hot seat at least for this year, but like next year he's definitely not, and I mean, we well, could he, i don't think i, I don't think,
1: think... They have a ten year contract too that's the thing
0: yeah, that um, is true. He might be there for a couple of
1: years so how do they fix that because you know i kind of i think I threw this out there before it's not like you can blame the offensive coordinator it's not it's not his fault he literally won the award for the top, the, the top assistant coach in all of college football last season. Yeah. Can't blame him. I mean, is it literally, I, I keep on coming to, is it a group of players does an intervention and say, coach your team, coach the offensive line, and otherwise get out of the way. Stop ruining the offense. I don't know how else this gets fixed.
0: I, I don't know either. I am, if I'm a Miami fan, I am, I am very concerned. I am very concerned about this, and I don't, I, I don't see how this gets. I don't think this, I don't see how this gets better. I don't see how this gets fixed.
1: I, I mean, honestly, I think that, um, I mean, this is how drastic it is. Next, next season we might be calling this segment the Mario Pathy, yeah, instead of the Narduzis, because he's just taking that baton from Narduzzi and just taking it to another direction, another dimension. So far, <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, okay. that
0: that was actually just a quick point on that before before we move on. Yeah. The thing about Narduzzi is it was like okay, he does really really bad things, but sometimes he does really really good things. <laughs> it's just really really bad things. Is there's no really really good thing yeah. Miami's done so far? So
1: recruit. It's 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 you know it's all great until the game starts. Yeah, <laughs> literally, I'm not joking. Great recruiting classes, great staff, great buzz, and then the game starts and it's like. It it all just disappears. Yeah. Okay, Mario. That's that's enough for you. I'm sure we'll be revisiting you before too long. Um, you know, and now we'll talk about that later. Okay. That and that exercise was so fun. I thought, you know, what? There's another offense that I want to do the same exercise with, where I I go through the common opponents and I see where does this team rank because they had a really special game Saturday, and that is the San Diego State Aztecs. Um. Here are the offenses, and I've tried to kind of just messily put this kind of in descending order, roughly, based by conference, and just to see where they stand. So these offenses did better than San Diego State against common opponents. Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Cal, uh uh-oh, Oregon, Arizona State, Oregon State twice, another twice here, UCLA- Here's where it gets, and again, these are teams that have done better comparatively against the same competition than San Diego State. Here's where it gets really dicey. New Mexico, Fresno State without Jake Hainer, UTEP, Western Kentucky, and Northern Illinois, (laughs) all ahead of San Diego State. So who did San Diego State do better than? That entire population is UMass.
0: Not good. (laughs)
1: No. So my question is, is Brady Hoke 2022, Scott Frost 2021, or maybe a better way to frame it, is Brady Hoke 2023, Scott Frost 2022, where we know it's not going to work out and it's just a matter of time and everybody's going to be upset that, what the hell, why didn't this happen sooner?
0: The only reason I, I, I can't sign off on... Brady Hoke twenty twenty two equals Scott Frost twenty twenty one because Brady Hoke and and San Diego State they actually did things in twenty twenty one versus Scott Frost not being able to do anything in twenty twenty. So I okay. think that's the only. So you can't like if you if you keep falling that extrapolate that backwards, it's not perfect one to one. That's the only issue with that though. But no, I I think in a lot of ways it's the similar thing where it's like okay this guy isn't it. But the problem though is, and again we talked about this early on in in the year. There's going to be a time. When, cause like people are like, oh well, they won the they won the Mountain West last year. Give them time; they'll they'll figure it out. Give them another year, right? And I think that buys a couple of years of goodwill, especially in like a again a lower tier Mountain West team, right? This isn't people like San Diego State's never won a national. Like this isn't a blue chip team, a blue chip school in any case, right? So mm-hmm. I think they're going to keep them for a couple more years, wow. at least this year. Well,
1: this next year. Next yeah. year,
0: next year might be a bit more dicey. But like, yeah, I uh, ne we'll have to see how like how bad it gets, right? Like, there's other there's other games that they're gonna have to play, and it could get worse. And then again, next year, if it also looks pretty gruesome next year, they could be in trouble. But yeah, this is not gonna. I this is a team I'm circling to fade for a while now. They had a good they had a good year run, I think in, in 2020, and actually a little bit in 20. They had a really good run in 2021, I think a little bit in 2020. But yeah, this is a team I'm gonna look to fade.
1: Yeah, I I think that he's in so much trouble Um, going back to a point I made in in part one tonight. um, I can't bet them under next season because I think it's just that much of a sure thing that, you know, within the first six weeks, it'll be just so gruesome that they have to let him go. So I that's where I see that go. And that's why I drew the parallel to Frost. Okay, last one, just a question for you. Did Iowa win 10 games last season? So
0: I actually have – this is something that I've struggled with. I kind of think this is the Mandela effect where, like – so I actually looked it up because I see people talk about this all the time. So Mandela effect is false memories can sometimes be shared by multiple people. And, like, I think, like, the Iowa winning 10 games last year, I think, falls in this category. Like, I feel like someone said Iowa won 10 games, we all just accepted it as fact. But, like, maybe the person who was counting counted wrong. They actually won, like, seven <laughs> games. And they're like, oh, like they, they won ten games, but, like, they just miscounted. And I think that's what happened. And they're like, oh, they won ten games. They get to go to the Big Ten West. Champ- like, they get to go to the, the Big Ten championship game. People are like, oh, wow, congratulations, Iowa. But they just, no one did the math. Like, no, it's crazy that they won ten games last year. Just an insane statistic that I, I could not – like, if you asked, like, they didn't even feel like they were that good that last year no. either. Like looking at their schedule last year. So they beat Indiana last year, 34 to six. Indiana was really bad last year. They beat Iowa state, 27 to 17. That's actually somewhat impressive. Kent state, 30 to seven. Then they beat Colorado state, 24 to 14. Okay. Not bad. Then they crushed Maryland, 51 to 14 offensive explosion from Iowa state from yeah. Iowa there. Then they beat Penn State somehow, twenty-three to twenty. Well, Penn State was actually pretty bad last year, so yeah, whatever. Then they lost to Purdue, twenty-four to seven. That that seems like the Iowa we we all know and love. Mm. Then they got crushed by Wisconsin, twenty-seven to seven. Then they squeaked, squeaked by a horrendous Northwestern team, seventeen to twelve. There they, we
1: go. This is Iowa. This
0: is this is <laughs> Iowa football here. Then then they beat Minnesota, twenty-seven to twenty-two again. Mm. Trademark Iowa weird score. Then there's then they beat Illinois thirty three to twenty three, which again Illinois was pretty bad last year. And then of course the classic in Nebraska yep. twenty is that a six or an eight? I think twenty eight to twenty one, just an, yep. an instant classic of Nebraska blowing just a what was it? Well, let's look at the box score in this game. No, it is, yeah it's twenty eight to. Yeah, they blew a massive lead in this game. Yeah, and Iowa's they, they rallying, were up by 14, I think. Yeah, Iowa rallying for 19 points, which is a number you can somehow score in football in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just an insane game. And then, of course, then they're like, oh, man, 10 win in Iowa. They get to go to the Big, 12 cha- Big 10 championship game, which they lost 42-3, to which feels very, to Michigan, which apparently, this Iowa team is better than, because Michigan actually didn't beat them this bad this year and then they lose somehow by 3 to Kentucky in the the Verbo Citrus Bowl. So yeah, just i this this Iowa team is just like I, like this they have no idea what they're doing on offense. No. And the commentators even like the, like usually the commentators try to put a positive spin on it, but like they don't even know they don't even know how to do it either. There was one part in the, when I was watching the fourth quarter where like it was a beautiful play. It was a nice play-action play. Petreia's under center, takes the ball, basically comes around, rolls out on his right, throws the ball about a ten-yard completion down the field. I'm um, like ten, fifteen yards for a first down. I'm like, that was pretty cool. The commentators went berserk. They're like, that was amazing. <laughs> that was, like, the best play. And I'm like, well, it's, it's just a standard play. I've seen this, like, and every other team has done this. This is just a standard play. And they're like, oh, man, it's so good to see Petraeus uh, roll out on his right. It's so much With a right-handed throwing quarterback, it's good to see him throw on the right. Like, wait, was he rolling out on his left before? Like, were they, is that, like, Let's roll out on your non-throwing arm? Like, it was insane. And then... The best part was, so, okay, we do a play-action play. We get 15 yards on the pass, right? Good. So what does Iowa do? What does what uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz do then? He's like, you know what? That's too much offense. Let's run the ball. Let's run the ball down the middle for a yard on the next play. And, like, you could see it coming a mile away. Like, you know that's what they're doing. They're like, man, that was a lot of yardage. We should get back to running the ball now. Like... It is absolutely insane. And the crazy thing about this, and and this is the one thing I can't figure out about this Iowa team, their defense is so good. Their defense has legitimately just completely shut down teams. Whoever their defensive coordinator is, is good enough at football that they are able to realize how to shut down modern offenses. So why not make that have that guy call offensive plays? That guy should call offensive plays if he's smart enough to figure out what other modern offenses are doing. He should just call plays on offense. Whoever else is calling plays on offense should just not do anything. Just sit there. They can get some water, or they can get water for people. That's fine. That's a, that's a job. People need to do that job. Like, I don't understand how. One half of the, the of the of the ball on defense can be coached so well, and again, to coach good defense, you have to figure you have to know what your off what the opposing offense is doing. But yet somehow, maybe they don't have enough meetings or they don't do a PowerPoint presentation. I don't know. Some somehow that 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 knowledge is lost in translation on the offensive side of the ball, and it's <laughs> it's just crazy how. We're just seeing this horrendous, and people are not like obviously people are noticing. But like the criticism I was getting every week on Twitter, like I I suspect it's hit, it's hitting a boiling point soon. But like you saw Ferentz there after he's like, well, we won ten games last year. Well, good. This isn't last year. This is twenty. Last time I checked, the year was twenty twenty two, not twenty twenty one. Like you can't rely on, well, we won ten games last year. Well, good. You've won three games this year. Like. Guess what? You got Ohio State coming up. Like, if Ohio State scores twenty-one on you, you're not coming back. Like, you're—it's over. Like, you can't score more than twenty-one points in a game. So, like, their offense is horrendous. It is completely unimaginative, and like, I—I—I I, I have no more words for th- about this Iowa team. Do you, I yeah?
1: actually got to say, um, it's so unimaginative. It's almost imaginative. You can't—you can't really imagine anybody would be that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that can't be by – you you, like, you just wonder, is this by design? It's um, first down. Got to establish the run. Yeah. It's like you got to be – nobody else is doing it, so they're unique. I don't know if that's imaginative. It kind of is in that it's it's going away from conventional wisdom.
0: It's just <laughs> – so, it's like they know. Like the other teams know when it's – like they're like, all right, first down. They're going to run the ball. Let's stop them. Like mm-hmm. they're going to get a yard. Be like, I'm oh, in. It's like – I, I cannot believe how determined they are to get a yard or two on first down. Like, it never works. It is. Li- I've never. I saw that, them run that play so many times. It has never worked. They see it coming a mile away. Throw the ball. Or maybe don't throw the ball with. Like, do something. Do, don't just run the ball up the middle. It is. Like, they. they, Yeah, it's so imaginative that it's unimaginative. Like, they. It, I've never seen such. Like they just don't want to, like they don't want to change, right? Like it's like this is the offense that we've that we've developed for like the last decade. Clearly, nothing has changed in football in the last decade, so therefore it should be fine. And then you've got some guy on defense who's like uh, doing amazing an amazing job shutting down these modern offenses, and you've got these guys like ah, you know, we, we should establish the run. This is a perfect time to establish the run. And again, this this was funny because we a lot on I oh, saw this a lot on Twitter. People were like sharing the video. So they asked all the Big Ten coaches what their most overrated statistic uh, in football is, and sure enough, it's Ferentz from Iowa first, and he says offensive yardage. And it's just like that is not an over like you can't like that's a fundamental stat in the game. Like sure you want like some people were, like time of possession. And it's like yeah fine penalty yards. Yeah it's fine. I love the Michigan Michigan State Mel Tucker. He was like the air defense yards. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You as you just get shredded by Ohio State every year. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but like offensive like that's a fundamental like you can't say that fundamental stat is is overrated. But like to be fair, for Farrens, they like they, their defense has scored more points than their offense in a couple of these games, which is insane mm-hmm. by the way. But like, yeah, their offense, their defense alone would have beaten San Diego State or not, that's saying uh, South Dakota State, like, which is insane, by the way. But like for him, he's like, oh, this is good. The defense is doing what they're supposed to do. Getting yeah. safeties like.
1: I, Last year might have been the worst thing that happened to them. That's turn. the thing,
0: right? Because like, and again, like we went through that schedule. How many <laughs> were it's like, oh, they beat this team, but that team sucked that year, right? Like they got Penn State in the down year. They got Illinois in a down year, Northwestern in a down year, Nebraska somehow in a down year, right? Like they got all these teams in a down year, eke their way out to ten to ten wins. Now they're playing against the the the, the top teams here in Iowa State and in Illinois now, and like this is the thing, right? Like they're gonna get, they're gonna get shredded by Ohio State. That's just like that's. I think that line's, I don't even we don't have a line for that. but It's probably gonna be like thirty or something, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the thing. That's, that's an example of like a winning season setting your program back. And I think, I don't think they've realized yet what it is, but someone in at some point, someone's going to clean house at Iowa and I just don't know who it is. But at this point though, like, I mean, if you got rid of Petraeus, like, but wasn't there someone else they wanted to start outside of Petraeus and that they started him, they put him in, in the, in the big 10 championship game last year.
1: Oh man. Um, Yeah. It's, it, it was like it, his it, his name ends in, Ia, yeah it, I can't it, it rhymes with tortilla I think
0: yeah and then it was like, so like and he wasn't that much better either so they have no idea what they're doing like this this team is offensively like just in, incompetent they can't do anything offensively and that modern football is offense this isn't the fifties or the sixties anymore you need to score points
1: I think uh, his last name is Padilla Alex Padilla I thought yeah. Interesting, it you know, you type in Iowa B and backup quarterback comes up right away on Google search.
0: <laughs> that, that means it's trending. People are like, okay, who this person can't be that much worse. They can't be worse than this. But I mean, no. like, like what is – how many passing touchdowns does Petraeus have on the year? Like two? Like, <laughs> like this is – this is a, this is a, like a quarterback in one of the top leagues in the country. And he has like, what, uh, how many, how many does he actually have? This is going to bother me. How many, he can't have that many passing touchdowns. Like. I I have to, I have to dig to find Iowa now because they're not ranked or anywhere. No one wants to see anything about Iowa.
1: I got this. Spencer Petras has two touchdowns and three interceptions.
0: Great. Just great.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: 80, uh, 87 for one hundred and sixty one for a fifty four percent completion. Two for two pass two touchdowns, three interceptions, eighteen sacks. Good job.
1: Like, so if he keeps it up, he'll have four touchdowns by the end of the season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that, like this is this is supposed to be one of the. I mean, Iowa definitely considers themselves one of the best programs in in the Big Ten. Like they they have the the pedigree of it, and like your guy has two passing touchdowns in what four games? No, five games. 6. 6 games. 3-3. Three three. It just keeps getting, we just keep adding games. It just keeps getting worse. Like <laughs> I I I can't. This Iowa team, man, it's just it's really bad. Yeah, it's
1: nonstop uh, fodder though.
0: It really is. I think every week we we rail on Iowa and they deserve yeah. every second of it.
1: They do. Okay. Um my deeper dive this is going to be a little different. This is a little conceptual. It's about playing unders. I've said a couple times on the podcast that playing unders is awesome. Um, and why is that? So, first, some background on why do I like to play unders? Um, if you if you kind of just talk to some sports uh book managers, people that run books, they'll just tell you that the public likes to play favorites and they like to play overs. Um, so Numbers are going to be shaded towards the over, which means there's going to be more opportunities just, you know, from the start if you're playing unders. Second, if you look at the um, at the moves just late in the week, you know, even from Thursday to Saturday, you're going to see typically bigger moves on your totals um, <clears throat> than on your point spreads. So, again, that just kind of points to a less liquid market and means there's going to be more bad numbers and there's more opportunities. And along those same lines, um, the bad numbers in the totals market, because it's less liquid, they, stay, they tend to last a little longer in the season. Usually by the end of October, my model doesn't really have great opportunities on the point spread side, but there's, there seems to be just a higher number of, of, of plays that it indicates to play um, on the underside. So how do we do it? What are the do's and don'ts? Do not just look at all the totals for all the games without having a a prior preparation. Don't just look and just look for a big number or just a matchup and think, ah, this is it. So what do you do? Instead, do have totals calculated for all of your possible plays before you even check the totals. You want to go in without any kind of bias before you're you're looking at any totals. You know, there's if you're just looking at FBS only games, that's you know, somewhere between fifty-five and And 60 some games a week. Well, you can't do all of them. Which one should I um make lines for? We'll we'll get to that in a second. It's just not realistic to do all of them in advance. Um don't just count on a bad offense going under the total. That's not really the most predictable thing. If they're going against the defense, just doesn't show up, um, or just you know is sneakily bad. Um, not to the naked eye. It's kind of common sense, but um, counting on a bad offense is just, it just, it doesn't work. Even if they're going against a bad defense, you'd be surprised at how many times that just doesn't work. What you should do instead is start with the strongest defenses. Um, you know, one guy would be just, start, just starting with your 10 top defenses. Um, they're the most consistent and they're most likely to travel to, which, really makes a difference. We'll get in some specifics on that later. One thing I would caution you too is that when you're determining who your best defenses are, don't just use points per game. Um per game metrics um over the course of a season, I think, are of marginal use, um, because you're looking at just kind of random periods of measurement. And I think you're a lot better if you try to incorporate things like yards per play especially if you can try to adjust it for strength of opponent. What you should also do is normalize to a mean. I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. I think it's kind of crazy that you're gonna if you're going to bet any kind of totals over or under, you should know, have this number committed to your memory, that the average total, actual, not points, not uh, posted total, but the actual totals is 50, 56 per game. Uh, over years i think this is going back even to 2015 for fbs versus fbs games do also have a margin in mind um, for the difference between what your total is and the number that is actually posted before you check um don't just be flexible and say yeah three sounds like a lot you really need to know what kind of margin you're going to demand before you you decide whether to bet an under do not fear the low total. And why is that? Well, just, you know, a good example, and it was just too easy, but, you know, if you see, like, last week, the total on Iowa-Illinois was 36, and just that's, even to me, I think that's low, and I get a little nervous. But if I show a margin of six against that number, when I normalize that against a, you know, a total of 54 that's really that six margin really is the same as nine versus 54 so you kind of put in that context if you're going to get to have a a margin of nine versus a quote normal game that's outside of the big 10 west that's a lot um do not tease unders uh just the math doesn't work basically when you're teasing the same number of points but if it's as a percentage of a total versus the percentage of a point spread, you're not getting nearly the same value if you're teasing overs or unders. Overs or or overs or unders, pardon me. <clears throat> do not just believe what I'm telling you. What you should do instead is constantly check your actuals versus your projections, and then also always update your work based on what you're finding um, in your plays. And track your data to that point too. That's that's probably the biggest thing that I've done is not just come up with my projections, but really checking what they've done and figuring out. And we'll get this to you know more specifics in a moment here. That'll inform you where your best players are going to be. Um, and lastly, do enjoy the best bet in all of sports. An under in college football is awesome. You get to just celebrate every just pass into the dirt, a bad decision to punt, you know that holding penalty that just kills a drive. It is awesome to actually to be you know take pleasure in that. That is fun. so how do I do this you know with my model? Well, I started doing this in two thousand twenty one so I still consider this a little bit to still be in beta testing, although I I'll check with Robert to see if it's time to take out a beta and consider it in production. Um, you know, one thing when I was doing my research, I, I found really, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, I didn't find any correlation at all between an offensive power rating, and the ability to stay um, under based on projected totals. Um, the offense can be a wild card week to week. The single biggest characteristic that made it a game predictable of whether it was going to go under was an exceptional defensive rating, which is why I said stick to those top 10 defenses. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, my projected total is based on the offensive and defensive power ratings, and then I normalize them against that starting point of 56 for a game. Um, then I'll basically identify all the games that have either defense with a power rating of 9 or more that's exceptional you know it varies that's going to be somewhere between your top five to ten i think like this week there's like six teams that qualify maybe um this also is going to filter out your teams that play at a really fast pace and it would invalidate starting with that normalizing against 56 it's going to take your more normal teams and it's definitely going to include your big 10 west kind of teams that that play a slower place and have stronger defenses because of that too um I kind of struggled with one thing, and that was, is this data mining and not predictive? Because I'm limiting it to just the best defenses. And I've really settled on, this is really just identifying what's the most predictable part of the population based on a key attribute, rather than doing that overfit. You know, when I'm talking about data mining, I'm I'm looking for these kind of crazy stats where they say, you know, road dogs are 10 and 2 on Monday Night Football or that kind of stuff that's not really going to predict what's going to happen on the field. But I think if you really use your data to inform where you think things are most predictable, it's really a predictive metric and not just data mining. So when I find the game, the games where I've got one of the defenses is a nine or higher, um, I'll play those that have a projected total. That's five or more under the number that I can find for a posted total. And so, what's that done for me? So, starting from the beginning of 21, and this is not a full data set because I don't really rely on my metrics until week five. So, overall, using these um, these criteria, the unders are 29 and 7, which is to 81%, which is nuts. More to the point that I made about road defense is when the road defense is a nine or better, the under hits 14 out of 16 times, 88%. And it's weird. This is, you know, a lot of sports has these old old wives tales. And this is one where you hear good defense travels. And I think that there's something to it. And I don't know if it's a, if your defense travels, it's good. Or if you have a good defense, it will travel. Whichever causes or is indicative of the other. That is, you know, the single strongest thing. If you've got a really elite defense on the road and you see that margin, you grab it. Um, <clears throat> it requires patience because that total, the total number of games in the, in the population that, that I analyzed 640. So I only found 36 plays. It's not like you're going to have 10 or 12 plays a week. It's a lot less than that. Um, these numbers are great. There's going to be regression, but I think it's a pretty strong signal. And then my question for you, since you're more of the sample size and stack guy, do we consider this to be a sufficient sample size? You know, there's 36 plays that qualify, but it's out of a population of 640. And it's not just based on random stuff. I mean, it's what I consider to be the most predictive attribute. So do you think it's sufficient data and time to take this out of beta and really say it's in production now?
0: Well, I mean, so that would be 36 out of 640. I mean, again, obviously we... This isn't exactly how you do it, but in in stats you use the p test. So basically, any number like outside of five percent is statistically relevant. So that's about thirty six out of six forty is roughly five percent of the sample, give or take. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, that's it's statistically significant. I I do think that like again, just because something isn't like just because you don't like. Obviously, I'm not sure if you you, you do this for every game. You, know, you think you make projections for pretty much every game. Now, some games, it's a lot harder. Like, not every game you're going to have particularly good stats for. And if some teams play, like, an FCS team, what are you supposed to do there? Like, if they lose to an FCS team, like it's very hard to kind of compute stuff for, for some of those. But at the same time, though, like, just because you only found 36 plays out of 640... Those were really good plays, right? You hit eighty-one percent of that, so that that's statistically significant. That's a really good record there, and that that like if you can if you can find thirty-six good needles in a haystack of six hundred and forty, I'll take that in any day, right? And and that's that's definitely. I, I think that I could consider that out of beta. I I'd actually I I'd, I tried to expand it a little bit out to tiers to see. Okay, these are the top plays you have, mm. but then. What about the next tier and then the next tier after that? What do you start hitting in those tiers? And I think that's kind of the next step for that. One other thing you hit on in here and it, it, it's a really important point, and it, it's it's something I've kind of wanted to talk about for a while. Is and, and this is kind of if he, if there's an older just an older movie. I believe it's Two for the Money. It's Matthew McConaughey. Um, actually, very relevant to to this. Uh, this podcast, partic- particularly, uh, he he basically makes uh, football co- uh, predictions like for betting, and this is way back in like the infancy of sports betting, where like you have to call a number and pay money to get people's uh, betting picks. Um, but basically, he 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 basically he works at like a, a a firm that like sells their picks for 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 bets and stuff, and he starts he start he actually just starts doing college, but then eventually moves to the NFL. Um, and the thing is, at the one kind of big company he started working at, there was a stats guy and his model at one point was struggling, but then his model started doing outperforming Matthew McConaughey. But his model was all of those like, oh, road dogs on Thursday Night Football that are coming off a loss or like 10 and 2 against the spread or like stuff like that. And you make a good point about kind of ignoring stuff like that, and I I absolutely hate those. Like the, whenever, whenever someone throws out stats like that, I like reject them. I refuse to accept those because I didn't. First of all, I did not make that that like that. You talk about ten and two ATS record. I did not make that ATS. Someone else made that spread. I did not make that spread, just because they were ten. Like for for example, that ten and two of that tenant two five of those dogs that covered maybe they shouldn't have been dogs maybe they actually should have been favored in those games right i may have made five of those dogs favorite i don't know what vegas has different like everybody views the spread quote unquote or in in some cases the total like that's the vegas consensus Therefore that's what it has to be. Well, that's not what it that's not necessarily what it has to be at all, right? Vegas has perverse incentives here. Not let's just say Vegas is like crooked or anything. Well they kind of are. They have to make money off this. But those lines are designed to take equal money on both sides, right? For example, for some teams that they know are gonna get money, for example, obviously a common example I use here is the Dallas Cowboys, Alabama Crimson Tide is another one here for, for on our side here. They know some of those teams are going to get more money, so therefore they have to make the lines worse for those right so then, if you start touting yeah. ATS records, well, we have no idea if those were what the the line should have been, if those lines were moved, if there was injury con- like we have no idea what that is, and the fact that you're like, "Oh well, here's a sample of twelve games and this went ten and two in that that is it it means nothing because i I disagree with those lines I don't think those those lines may may have been completely wrong.
1: Right. So and, and there's nothing predictive about it either.
0: No, exactly. Right. Because like they could have had really good spots. Like, again, coming off a loss. Well, who did they lose to? Did they lose to the worst team in the league. Did they lose to the best team in the league. Right. Like there's not controlling for quality of opponent. Right. Like we, how many times have we had this right where a team loses to another team? They actually outplay them. They gain more like that's not factored into it. right? They gain more yards than them. Well, OK, they're still a dog on, on that on the next game. But then they cover because they were just a better team. Right. So there's so many examples of that. And I really hate some people who kind of reduce stats and and, and some of the betting to just like, oh, well, in this spot or like, I I think it was like um, the one stat was like uh, Matt ruled in the NFL. He got fired this week. He was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And I believe someone said there was a stat that he was like one in twenty eight after a loss. And people were like, well, that's really bad. I'm like, yeah, because he was just really bad. Like, some people are like, oh, man, he, he couldn't recover after a loss. I'm like, no, no, but he was just bad. Like, sure, okay, if if, you, if you're if you 1-28 after a loss, yeah, okay, not good. No one is arguing that's a good number. But some people are like, well, it shows that he can't rally a team after a loss. No, it just shows he's a bad coach. Like, if you, if you lose a first game, like, if you lose a game, that means you're generally not good. Like, obviously, the NFL variable things happen, but, like... If you lose games, you're not good, and if you lose more games, then that directly impacts that one in twenty-eight stat, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of times people will throw out numbers and and say, oh, this this like this is ten and one, or this is sixty percent against the spread, or the over under, or like oh, this team covers, or this team usually goes over the total in like night games on on Novembers, or like. This happens all the time, and a lot of the times, I don't put much stock in those numbers. Now, the thing is, because a lot of them, they can be hiding under trend, other trends under the surface, right? Like the, the Matt Rule one, perfect example, right? He was always he was bad, and was always coaching bad teams, right? So yeah, of course he was one in twenty eight after a loss because they were not good. They were good. they were supposed to lose the first game, and probably supposed to lose the second game, right? Like mm-hmm. this is the thing, and especially with over unders, I think there's a, there's a lot like over unders are are particularly interesting. It's actually. One of the more interesting things is cuz every week I believe you tweet out or you retweet the circle lines right when they post them. Usually I believe you, you retweet them. Yeah. And it's fascinating cuz right there it says on the tweet um it says 5000 5000 max bet for spreads, 2000 yep. max for, min- for for totals. Because they know. They know there are a lot of you kicking around <laughs> yes. there. There's yep. there's 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 more people who are like sharps on on totals than there are people who are betting on spreads. And I've been kind of shying away from spreads. I, I usually don't bet them. Like, for example, for the one for me, like last week for for, I, for Iowa, Illinois, I'm like like 36. I'm like, that's really low. Like, that's a really, really low number. But you you did bet that one, right? You were yep. under in that game. My question to you is, why were you so – like, why were you like, this is one of the lowest totals I've ever seen in a college football game. Let's go. How were you that confident?
1: Actually, literally um... – both of those defenses had power ratings over nine. So that was like a double thumbs up. Oh, okay. And then the the, the the projected total for my model was 26. So I'd mentioned that, you know, if it's five points, I'll play. If it's 10 points, that is just, I mean. You have to. You know, yeah, that's, you know, knocking people over to get in line and bet the under on that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I know it's, it's fascinating how, when like obviously for when you look at sports, sports gambling and, and stuff, and 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 I I believe we are a very unique podcast in the fact that our models are not typical. Like my model is definitely not a typical NFL like football model at all, and yours is not either. We use different stats, different methodologies than, than most traditional uh, betting models do, and it gives us edges, right? And I I probably said I've probably said this before on this podcast. I'm not sure, but like. I, I love my model for the for specifically for the reason that it tells me make this play right. Like mm-hmm. so many people's other models will say like, oh, this spread is three. I've got it three and a half. Well, wh- what are you doing there, <laughs> right? Like, oh, I'm gonna bet this because the, the 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 Vegas line has it three. I have it three and a half, so I'll lay the three. It's like, well, what are you doing? Like, really, <laughs> you're, you're feeling that confident? About it? Like, but like some people's models basically model Vegas exactly right like yeah. they're basically carbon copies of Vegas. You can see 538. Like go go on 538 um again a US a US election forecasting website. If you go on there they have a football model. You will look at that and their model is functionally Vegas spreads. It is basically just the Vegas spread on 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 538. My yeah. model barely resembles the Vegas spreads at all many times i have multiple score values on either side of the Vegas spread and guess what a lot of the times it's right and that's why i love it right and you know what even if like here's the thing i even if it hit at a slightly lower clip than it is now because honestly the college one has been hitting at a very high clip but even if it hit a couple points lower i will take like if my model says if this is like, if, if, if the spread is minus three, I've got it minus 10, I'm playing that all day. But like, if my model if, if it's his if the spreads minus three and my model says yeah minus four, but then it's right. Well, and then they, like, I would much rather say, okay, I've got this two scores and then they win by two scores rather than I said it was minus four and they win by two scores. Right? Like we're trying to find that median projection and that's, that's ultimately what this boils down to. It's not about trying to find a, a value here or, or basically emulating vegas spreads it's beating vegas spreads and to beat the vegas spreads you have to be different than the vegas spreads and that's i feel like my model does a very good job of that so
1: yeah no where it goes against your your intuition if you have a model that says patrick mahomes is a great nfl quarterback awesome go go tear down vegas with that information pal
0: exactly right like that's the thing like like that's the thing right you can't like and now, again, even the NFL, it is harder. Sometimes my model is basically the Vegas line. Like, sometimes like it, it's, it's definitely for the NFL, it's a lot closer to what the Vegas line says. But, like, again, we, at the end of the show, right, we have the segment where we compare our models, where we show massive differences from the Vegas spreads. How many times are we two, three scores off? Yeah, from, no, but,
1: we have one this week.
0: Yeah, and, and, and how many times has that been right? Right? Yeah. Like yep. like I remember we were both there on Kentucky. Now i mean, against Northern Illinois against Kentucky. Now to be fair, yep. Kentucky did win the game, even though we had Northern Illinois favorite, but like Northern Illinois made that a hell of a game. I think they lost by seven, right? When they were yeah. like twenty something point dogs. So like this is the thing, right? Like when our Kentucky models was never
1: gonna cover that.
0: No. Exactly, right? When when our models say, Hey, there is a massive value here, it's yeah. usually right. And that's that's what I love the most about our, our models.
1: Yeah. How can you not, right? Yeah, how can you not? Especially when they
0: make you (laughs) money. So, all right. So, our official podcast plays of the week. So, last week, had a little bit of a snag. Went six and four. Um, I probably took some...
1: You're not happy with six and four?
0: No. I mean, yes. Well, the thing is, some people would be be very happy with six and four. Uh, But, no, I mean, we could do better. Now, To be fair, though, six and four. But we also hit some big dogs, though. Like, that was in including... Um, Arizona State versus Washington. So like, we we made it back, obviously, but like, yeah, we had been hitting at a higher clip than that. I now i I blame myself for some of that. I took some risky ones that I shouldn't have taken. Probably like Illinois, that was dumb. And to be fair, um uh, Tommy DeVito did get knocked out early. And again, they had like an interception in like late in the fourth quarter. They were intercepted like what the four yard line. Like I just laugh because like that was like that was the shot at the cover, and I'm like I knew it's over. I'm like this is done now. But like had there been a touchdown, like yeah. It, Iowa wouldn't have come back. That would have been a cover, right? So, but anyways, all right. So on for this week. So what what is your first play of the week here?
1: You're, I need you to check my lines since I've been busy with other stuff. I don't know how okay. current this is, but I got um, this is my favorite play. Um, I'm actually betting two units on this already. TCU giving three and a half, hosting Oklahoma State. Is that still?
0: I believe it is still there. Yes, I believe it's three and a half.
1: Okay. So, I initially was super apprehensive about this because my model shows that TCU is actually. Oh, sorry, 20... it's four
0: now, four out, but basically. The same. Okay.
1: Moving towards me slash us. My model showed TCU is 23 points better than Oklahoma State at home. And I thought, hmm, outlier, something wrong here. Then I got your model, and you're showing TCU is 25 points better. <laughs> um, So to your point about the instances where we're both showing multiple scores difference, this is it. So two units on this one. Um, I love this. You know, Like I said, for some reason, my model has Oklahoma State as the worst team. I said this in part one, as the worst team in the Big 12. It doesn't have TCU as the best, but TCU, it likes a lot. It has them as definitely in that top tier of the Big 12. So three and a half, I think four and a half is still definitely a play.
0: Yeah, we had talked about Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago, we had, I I kind of had them on my rant of like, why are they a top 10 team? And again, (laughs) nothing, literally nothing has changed. Like every single thing I said is in that rant is true. And I even in that rant said, oh, and they play Baylor next They They might still win that game. And actually, hilariously enough, they actually did win that game. They won that game by 11. But like at this point, like again, they're, I believe they're ranked. They're the eighth, eighth ranked team in the country, which is just insane. Again, didn't cover against Central Michigan, Beat covered against Arizona State, covered against Baylor, did cover against Texas Tech, but now you've got four ranked teams in four weeks. You've got TCU, Texas, Kansas State, and Kansas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you end off with Iowa State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia, which is looking easier and easier by the day. But again, if you go 0-4 or like 1-3 in this four-game stretch, you're out of the Big 12 anyways. So... But no, like this team is not has very clearly not been tested, and they actually almost were tested last week against Texas Tech, and they kind of they they were trailing in that game. They had to come back in that game and and score. Again, this team we talked about this team before. This team used to be a dominant defense, the best defense in the Big Twelve last year. That has not happened this year at all offense has picked up though. So that's good. This, this, I mean, like, we can't, it's, it's not fair to make this comparison, but their offense last year was like approaching Iowa levels. It's still a distance from Iowa <laughs> levels, but approaching Iowa levels, but still the, like it's improved, but I kind of think the other teams have just kind of gotten worse on defense as well, but no, like TC, like it is time full fade on Oklahoma. Now I've, I've pulled off, I've held off pulling on, like executing the full fade this week. We're we're doing it this week. We're we're full fade on Oklahoma State, hundred percent back on that one. Um, And I again, I got an early line on on Fanduel. Shout out to Fanduel. TCU minus one and a half, just amazing. I I don't even know why they gave me that line. Like they're like, yeah, this game is even. I'm like, no, it's not even. Like I I was like, oh, what is my what does my model have this game? Because I was actually afraid. I'm like, oh man, you know Oklahoma, they actually did pretty well against Texas Tech. I wonder what mall's gonna have it. I'm like, twenty five. Wow, okay. Um, But (laughs) yeah, that's the thing. So. Yeah. All right. My next game. This is actually a game I really like. And this is also a Pac-12 After Dark game. Um, So this is nice to have a a game in the late slate. Washington State plus three and a half versus Oregon State. Um, I do not know why Washington State is a dog in this game at all. I actually make them as the favorite um, by a bit, I believe, um, in this game. Uh, so yeah, I actually, I really, yeah, I've got, I've got Washington State as like multiple touchdown favorites in this game. And, and I get that, like, that probably won't happen, but at the same time, this Oregon State team should have lost to a horrendous Stanford team last week. And again, I, I think they're, they're having a backup quarterback. I don't know if it's the same backup quarterback, if they're going to keep it the backup this year, or if they're going to go back to their full-time starter. But like, I believe in Cameron Ward. I like, to me, the biggest crime of the season is the fact that. Um, Washington State is not a ranked team. Like they, re- Washington State probably should be ranked. Like this team is actually pretty good. Um, again, they lost to Oregon close. They lost to USC slightly less close. But I think this is definitely outside of those two plus UCLA. This is probably the next best team in in the Pac-12. And again, if you're gonna give me three and a half with Oregon State, they've got Utah the next week. Uh, they're gonna have Washington end off the season, and obviously the Apple Cup. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to bet this team down the stretch. So yeah, give me a give me the the Washington. What are they? The Cougars. Cougars. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. My next game, I actually have uh, both the side and the total. <clears throat> and I don't know if this is a move. Minnesota at Illinois. Illinois getting three and a half. Is that still?
0: Um. I believe it is still that. Let me just double check that. But it, I don't think it's moved that much. I think it's, uh, yeah. No. Oh, sorry. Illinois is plus six and a half.
1: Really? Oh, that's probably the Devito uh, the injury. They're probably reading into that. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I, I believe me. I can live in a world with um, Tommy Devito on the bench on the if if if, if he's the quarterback of my team. Um, and under 39 as well. Uh, this one projects to, you know, high twenties from my model. I think this is another one where, let me pull this up real quick. I think both of these are top. Yeah. These are both, um, defenses rated well over nine. So play in terms of both defenses qualifying and that margin against the, the spread since, Yeah, I'm getting 28 as a projected total. So a very, very big 10 West matchup.
0: Yeah, uh, my model. So I've actually updated my model now. It now basically figures out who the quarterback who threw the most passes for the team last week was. So I actually do have the backup in here and I have it 6.8. So if DeVito does play, that should probably shrink, I guess. But... Even then, that's still pretty good value on, like, Illinois. I do have a slightly higher... Again, my model's not designed for totals. I have it as in the 30s, but, again, still under the thirty-nine. So I think that's definitely playable. Um, yeah. Uh, next up for me... Uh, actually, just a quick question for you. Because you, you you can actually parlay... I think this is the first time we've ever actually said the word parlay in this... Oh, uh, no, we didn't. We said parlay before. But um, could we parlay Illinois plus 6.5 at under 39?
1: Yeah, I don't know if the books would allow that. Usually, where they really mine, get freaked out is really, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know if my guy would, especially when the totals are so low. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when they, yeah, extreme low or high, basically saying, yeah, this is, you know, they see more exposure to one side. I think that they might might blanch at that.
0: Are we, uh, are we out on was, um, are we out on Minnesota now, or are we? Do we not? Are we like, do we not think Minnesota can win the Big, T- Big Ten West? Or,
1: um. I think that anything can happen in this in this division.
0: That's fair. <laughs> I think that that's a even very if they fair, lose this game. Yeah, yeah. All right, my next play: Mississippi State minus six and a half versus Kentucky. Um, I'm starting to really not like this Kentucky team now. I know, obviously, there's probably still some question marks about Will Levis. Uh, I have a line with Will Levis not starting with uh, K. N. Sharon starting. I've got Mississippi State minus eighteen. That actually seems right, to be honest, based on how how many points this, this Mississippi State team has put up. Questions about Will Levis. He did have a finger injury. I think he had some other injury, too, that kept him out of the last game. But, like, like we need to talk... Like, We're not talking about it now, because obviously we're near the end of the show, but at some future point, we're going to have to talk about this Kentucky team, because, like, they didn't... they They did beat Florida which is not, they did beat a not good Florida team. They almost didn't cover against Northern Illinois. They got beat by an Ole Miss team that we still have no idea that team's even remotely good or not. That team could be anywhere from bad to like, okay. And then now, like, I, this is way too few points. I think the only reason this is minus six and a half is because they don't think Will Levis is starting. That's still not enough. Mississippi sp- State po- scores points in, in multiples of seven. Give me Mississippi State here.
1: Okay, yeah, it, it you get the you said it was six and a half, right?
0: I believe it is. Last time I checked, it was. Okay. Uh, let me check. I think this is a late game. Yeah. I, oh, I have four. Wow. Okay, even better. I'll take the four. I'll definitely okay. take four there. I'll take four, and then another another play I like every week is uh, Will Rogers over two and a half passing touchdowns. You should get that about even money or so. Um, so I'll be taking that as well if, I, if my books give it to me.
1: I wonder if, if there's that there's some more likeliness of Levis playing, being reflected in that move.
0: There could be. I'll have to look yeah. up. But again, even I mean, I could run it again, but I, like, I don't think Will Levis is worth like 20 some odd points against the spread. <laughs> so I think, Very fair. Cause like, again, he didn't cover the spread against Northern Illinois. He he was in the Ole Miss game. They didn't he was in the Ole Miss. They like I think Mississippi State's better than Ole Miss, right? Like this this Mississippi State team's actually pretty good with Will Rogers. So yeah. yeah.
1: All right. And it looks like I got a good number here. Um Michigan giving six and a half, hosting Penn State. It looks like it's at seven now.
0: I, basically the same. I mean, that's just push equity, right? Basically.
1: Okay. Not a huge difference um, between
0: six and a half and seven, but
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, you know the biggest difference here is on offense um my model doesn't really like the penn state offense um has them both as good defenses Michigan a little bit better um but overall, Michigan just better on offense and at home six and a half is is a pretty clear play for me here
0: yeah michigan i'm uh, sorry Penn State <clears throat> this week is a very public dog, which is exactly what I would expect um really. Yeah, apparently this is Michigan, uh, Penn State is one of the most public dogs as we people are loving Penn State, which is funny because you and I we knew we both were wanting to fade Penn State the first chance we could get, and and, and now it's here. Uh, I think last week I said this was a se I had Michigan a seventeen point uh favorite. That's come down a little bit. It's now twelve point four, but that twelve is still more than seven. So I will uh I will still take Michigan I will still take the Wolverines. They should have covered against in um, Indiana last week. That was really annoying as well, but because they just kind of gave up and and there's a lot they left a lot of points on the table last week, um, and Indiana kind of played like a ceiling game. But no, I I think this Michigan team is a lot better than this Penn State team. This Penn State team, very similar to Oklahoma State, very fraudulent. I feel like betting the taking the minus against like taking the minus four against. Oklahoma State is basically the same mistake in the minus seven against Penn state if that makes any sense, both highly fraudulent teams that should not be ranked this high, so yeah it's time it's we're calling on the fade for penn state again this is we're we're doing it this week
1: okay my next, next yeah,
0: one? my next one it pains me a little bit uh but we're gonna we're gonna make the gators earn it l s u plus two and a half versus Florida here honestly, like I just this this Florida team every year they always struggle with LSU. I think they 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 haven't beaten LSU for like three straight years. I my model again. I'm not just yoloing into this one. I, my model actually does have LSU as a favorite. I have my, LSU is about a four point favorite in this game, which is still close. It's a close game. But I, I again, I I'm taking uh, I'm taking LSU here. I something's got to give with Anthony Richardson. Maybe not this season, but at some point in the future, like. Anthony Richardson's got to figure his stuff out. And maybe that means not being quarterback at Florida anymore or something, but we'll, uh, we'll have to see.
1: Yeah. Um, not to pick on the kid, but Anthony Richardson against uh, you know, when Brian Kelly and his resume against a quarterback like that, who's more raw talent than figure it out. Um, he might just be able to kind of put him in some very difficult figure it out situations. <clears throat> All right, my next one is, and I'm kind of wondering if there's something baked in here that my model's not getting. I like. Let me make sure I got it here. James Madison at Georgia Southern under sixty-six and a half. Um, man, that seems high. You know, I
0: sixty-seven I think, now.
1: My gosh, it keeps on going up and up. Um. JMU, I, I think I've got him still as the top power or G5 defense. Let me just verify that, but yeah, literally my top five defenses, and this is why I like the under in that earlier game. In order: Illinois, Alabama, Iowa, James Madison, and Minnesota. Um, you know, there's probably some some of my models struggling to, you know fully accommodate strength of schedule although it tries but um you know there's a lot of data points now at this point i mean there's like six games for most teams fbs uh games for each team it's kind of hard to argue and um i've got that projected at let me pull this up real quick i've got the total at 54 so i've got a 12 point difference which is Really, really, that, that's, that's kind of about the, as high as it goes in terms of variances from my model to total. So big variance, um, elite defense, I like that one under.
0: I'm intrigued at that. I think I'll, I'll think I'll play that as well. And then I think uh, for my final pick of the week, I'm going Florida State plus three and a half against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for some reason, FanDuel, let me get this at seven and a half. Again, shout out FanDuel. The, the, apparently our podcast sponsor this week but no like I'm still taking the three and a half like I like I think I have this as uh let me see here I I, I have this very close Florida State should have beaten NC State last week I actually have Florida two-point favorites against Clemson Florida State should have beaten NC State last week except that so like coming near the end of the game uh, I had Jordan Travis over One and a half passing touchdowns, and I had Florida State plus. I think it was like three and a half or four and a half, at the money line, and I'm like, oh, because they and they were driving. It was like I think like forty seconds left, or like two minutes left in the game, or something. And then they were down by two. Yeah, they were down two, and then. He was like, I'm like, oh, you know, this sucks because like they're just going to they'll kick a field goal. And sure, I'll win the spread money line. But then I'm I'm going to lose the uh, the passing touchdowns. And then he threw it to the end zone. I'm like, oh, there's hope. And then it was interception. I'm like, no, this is really bad. Yeah. And I guess I cursed it for us there. Um, But no, like this Florida State team is actually pretty good. Despite losing to Wake Forest, it's time for yeah. Clemson to get a loss. This Clemson team is additionally oh, way overvalued. I don't think this Clemson team deserves the kind of hype they're getting. And again, remember, yes, they did. Florida State did lose to NC State. But again, this was definitely a look ahead. Now, remember, I will point this out. This game last year was home to some absolute BS. This was a last second. I think it was like a lateral that went back in for a safety or it was a fumble recovery and a touchdown for like a because like Florida State was down and they were covering the spread I think the spread was like nine or something I think they were down four and they were covering the spread and I think they kept doing a bunch of laterals and I think Clemson recovered it and scored a touchdown to to blow up the cover that was that was a very famous cover and I was on the bad end of that one last year but Florida State though this year I I feel confident they're going to they're going to get me back for that one so yeah, we're going with the the seminal. I mean, they covered last week, so that was good for me. But I, they're gonna they're gonna give me avenge that loss from last season. They're gonna hopefully get the cover and, and hopefully the win this week.
1: Yeah, I I like that one too. Florida State plus the points and money line. I've already got both both those. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Any more? Or is that your last play?
0: That's my last play. Yeah. We'll we'll look at the the model plays now.
1: Okay, uh, and before we get to both of our models. Um, Recap of how my model plays did last week: um, seven and two against the spread, which gets us to twelve and six on the season. Money line went two and four, losing one unit um, for the season. Six and seven plus one point six units. Unders went three and one to bring us to seven and one for the season. Um, Friday nights, I tweet out the model plays. I don't think there's anything that my model says to play on Friday, so you're not missing anything because I'm lazy and I wait until Friday night and I'm done working to to do that.
0: Just quick note on that, horrendous games on Friday night. Navy versus SMU and UTSA yeah. versus, like, just, her, like, oh, watch it, but horrendous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get excited about very off-the-grid games, but... Um,
0: Not this off-the-grid.
1: Yeah, FIU, it's... Yeah, we'll talk about them in a second, because it's the games where both of our models say, here's a touchdown difference, play them. So last week, these games went, those picks went seven and three, bringing us to 17 and eight on the season. That is special. So um, you're going to see where, you know, a couple instances where my model, and it looks like you're probably in the same situation. There's more prevalence of some of these really suspect teams that it just, it's a question of how suspect they are. And the model doesn't have the brain to say, maybe teams are showing them mercy. And in that vein, um, UMass is catching 17 at home hosting Buffalo. Um, we have this about even, we both have basically this, a five point game. Um, Buffalo is better, but nowhere, you know, nowhere near, uh, as much of a wipeout as, as the spread implicates, I wasn't going to play this. I was going to override the model thinking that it's missing something. But when I saw that you have basically the same number as me, I, I bet a half a unit on, on UMass at home. Yeah. Um, the other one that's in this boat, I still can't bet it. I don't know if you're going to it's Friday night game. You just talked about, maybe I just bet a little bit just to have something to watch on Friday night. If there's no good baseball Florida international, I show that they should be getting 19. You show them, well, wow, your model loves Florida international. You're showing this just an 11 point game. So that 32 is supposed to look juicy. I don't know. This sounds like a point one unit play just to have something, as I'm enjoying dinner on Friday night. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I, I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably gonna end up somehow with that. I don't know if I'm gonna like it or, but like, there's probably nothing no. on at all. Well, actually, that's not true. There's League of Legends on Friday night, so I'll be watching that. But uh, <laughs> which is a fun eSport too. But no, um, yeah, I mean, I don't like this Florida national team is bad and this UTSA team is like not bad. So I don't know why my model is like, Hey, they have a chance. I was really suspect with this line too, but then now I see you have, you have some value. Cause I mean, even that you have a 19, I have a third, like the, the spread is 33. You have it as a 19. I mean, there's still value. There's the thing, the fun thing is there's no money line in this game. Like, you can't bet either money line if you wanted to. to.
1: Um, yeah. I don't know if I would do that. Even no. with your money. <laughs> no, I,
0: I maybe the thirty three and a half, That is a lot of points. It's like five scores. I don't know, maybe something. I don't know. We'll see. I maybe for something. But like the, the the thing is that tomorrow's Thursday night football game sucks. Maybe West Virginia is something against Baylor, I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's possible. I you know, I'm not sure.
0: I don't know. I don't love anything about the game either, but
1: Yeah. All right. Um I think I'm making yeah, I'm ignore that that North Carolina Duke one. I don't think that I got your numbers in there backwards. So Oh one second, let
0: me let me check. Let me check about that one actually. No, I've got North Carolina minus two.
1: Yeah. What do you have? I've got no. So Oh Okay, yeah, yeah, no. So you're so yeah, you've got North Carolina basically two and a half better than. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I get a little twisted in this. So not a play for you because that's not enough of a variance between that and the um the spread six and a half. No, so it's seven. We're now. looking for Okay, but we're looking for variances of seven or more. Oh, okay. I'm
0: still I'm I'm still so. playing Duke though, actually though. That's so it's, yeah. it's technically not a podcast mm-hmm. play because it's not a variance of more than but I'm still playing Duke though. But yeah. Yep.
1: I yeah, personally I'm waiting to just to, to get a better number on Duke off of that six and a half, hopefully. But yeah. Nope. That's not that's not for both of our models. Um sorry for the mix up there, folks. I have um boy, you you've got a real difference here. I've got Western Michigan and Ohio basically even. Or I'm sorry, no, it's it's the spread is even, it's Pick 'em. I've got Ohio basically eight points better. You your model has Ohio twenty eight points better. Um Because yeah. so, <laughs> uh, I have to guess I have to
0: play that one then.
1: I'm, Western Michigan s- struggled. And I remember their quarterback was on the bum list earlier in the year too, and I don't think he's really turned it around. I think I just you know, I'm not gonna pick on the guy every week, but he still is is on the bum list, so um I'm waiting to play. I haven't played that yet. I don't you know Wasn't, to see if something moves.
0: I think this game was on our list last week and they um do you know what you had last week for?
1: I think we had Ohio last week. Also, no, no, we?
0: the Western Michigan last week Cause the last. So the last week was Western Michigan minus four. I think I my model hated Western Michigan and they lost by twenty two to Eastern Michigan. So maybe my model I, I didn't onto something. have
1: that. Yeah, that's you. I didn't have that as a. Yeah, you, you, your model had that, but that's I didn't. Play.
0: Yeah, maybe I don't know. I'll I'll definitely play that. My my model seems to hate Western Michigan for some reason. So. Yeah, let's. Well, the quarterback uh, stinks for starters. Probably doesn't help. <laughs> probably does not hurt. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And then the last one we we talked about um, is my first and best pick is that unbelievable Oklahoma State at TCU. We both show this as TCU better by by over three touchdowns. So giving three or four, whatever you have to, not a problem.
0: Don't don't care about the three and a half versus four. Fun fact as well: Oklahoma State is a big public dog this week. Again, no idea why.
1: Yeah. That's well, I think it's BBMI. Just people are oh, they're even better than last year.
0: Oh, they're the they're the number number nine ranked team, right? They can't lose. Yeah, right. They're, yeah. So yeah. this TCU team's overrated. This is the thing, hey, right?
1: TCU fired their coach. They can't be good.
0: Exactly. So yeah, no. And let's see if we're right about that. But again, remember people used to say public dogs have fleas, so Let's. I'm. I'm feel pretty confident with my TCU pick there. I, like I, I was probably gonna play TCU anyway, but I'm happy that my model and your model both love them a lot. So, anyways, all right. So, I, so that is it for us for this week. Uh, we will. Uh, we'll be back next week, obviously, with a recap of of week seven and our picks for week eight. Um, hopefully, everybody have a good weekend. Um, yeah. Uh, enjoy enjoy a nice uh, football weekend, everybody.